WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education and entertainment. Cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Cover Story. I'm Brandy Shapiro-Babin, and I am joined with my awesome new daddy, co-host, um... David McGinnis. Welcome, David. Hello, Brandy. How I'm are? not your daddy, by the way. <laughs> you know. Who's my, I am a new daddy, but not your new daddy. <laughs> Did I say that? Who's yeah. my daddy? <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations. Muzzle Tough goes out to David McGinnis and family for a very healthy and happy brand new baby boy named Miles Benjamin McGinnis. Right. Beautiful. So I know your house is filled with a lot of happiness and no sleep. I was going to say happiness and no sleep, which can lead to a little bit of delirium. But right. But the joys of life—you just brought a new life into this world. He could be the new pre- He could be like our, our president to be in in thirty or forty years. Yeah, he's so cute. He's beautiful. I have to say, I've seen pictures of, of this baby boy, <laughs> and he is the perfect Gerber baby. Like Thank if. You, if you didn't do so well, you could you could monetize him by by having him be a, a baby, a baby model. I might still need to do that, but no. With all <laughs> of your amazing service, I have to say I'm so proud. PR Web's always done such an amazing job of staying ahead of the technology curve and not just being a wire service, which is obviously a tremendous, tremendously important um, part of anyone's PR campaign and PR focus. But you guys have also launched recently. Um, PhotoWire, which is absolutely and positively free to everyone. Trackback, so if your press releases are being um, picked up by the blogosphere, you're able to actually know that and track that and respond back to that, which is so very important. Um, and then, of course, you know the ability to optimize your press releases and all the cool, fun things that you guys do just to make sure that everyone gets maximum exposure and visibility because you guys are now considered to be the best and biggest online visibility company on the net. And that's kind of where we've rebranded ourselves. We're we're not just about press releases anymore. Press releases are a big part of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's it's about getting visibility for our users in whatever format we can make that happen. So, and uh, it all starts with the press release, but then we go off to podcasting and the photo wire service, and you know, even providing simple technologies like 301 URL, which is a free technology that that allows for permanent redirection of your of a URL. So. Um, to help you maintain, you know, search engine rank with with long URLs to get passed around. So everything we do is about creating and maintaining visibility for our users. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So I just, I, I we definitely take full advantage because uh, PR Web is the official um, wire service and online visibility company for Webmaster Radio, and uh, we're really appreciative. But we have a killer, killer guest with us today, David. 
and you were not here when we first interviewed him. And I, and I really wanted to get him back quickly. And uh, we're very, very fortunate because we were able to. Um, so you're gonna have to catch up in the interview process with him. Um, we have the co-author of Breakaway Brands: How Great Brands Stand Out. Discover the secrets behind 50 of the world's most successful brands. It's Barry Silverstein, who's also the senior vice president of Arnold Worldwide. He co-penned this book with. Um, Francis Kelly III, President and COO of Arnold Worldwide. And um, Barry just brings with him a plethora of awesome experience. He's worked with big brands in the internet um, for a lot of years and uh, has some great, great stories. It's going to really help all of us to help really make sure that we're differentiated in the marketplace, understand who we are, become that breakaway brand if we aren't already that, and uh, also talk about March Madness. Welcome, Barry. Hey, how are you, Brandy? Nice to be back. Yay, we're so happy to have you here. I'm good. How are you? Very well. And, uh, hey, David, congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's, it's always nice to go through that uh, insomnia stuff, isn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor David. This is the last time, though. <laughs> I'm not doing this again. You aren't. Uh, we, we have this on tape now. In two well, years from now. the whole now, idea is, you know, you, you just reset that clock from when you have, like, an empty house to another 21 years, right? <laughs> and you're not. And so I was like looking at 15 years or 14 years left, and then now it's back to 21 again. So I love I love the kids, but man, it's, sometimes it'd be nice to have an empty house. I think so. <laughs> it would be nice for you to discover what empty nest actually meant. Right. Exactly. There you go. But David's house <laughs> is filled with a lot of love, <laughs> a lot of love, and no sleep. There you go. But that's okay. So welcome back, Barry. Thank you. Um, we're really excited. You know what? And I let, let's start sort of um, reverse today. Um, I know you wanted to come on to discuss March Madness. Perhaps you can uh, fill our listeners in if they don't already know in regard to what March Madness is. Yeah, actually, um, the reason it's interesting to talk about is because most people, of course, think of it as a sports competition or a tournament. And we in the advertising business recognize that it's also very big business and it's also about branding. Um, March Madness itself. Um, most people don't realize the the term March Madness actually was created back in uh, the 1930s, believe it or not, by um, the Illinois High School Association. They were holding some basketball tournaments, and one of the officials called it March Madness. And then, as as you know, things happen in a kind of a viral way. Um, that name stuck and spread across the country, and the NCAA eventually picked up the name and started to use it in reference to their uh, their tournaments. So it's really a name, in terms of a brand name, that's been around um, for many many years now, and that's one of the reasons it's a very strong brand because it's been so well known. And actually, CBS um, has been telecasting. Um, March Madness games for 25 years. Wow. Wow. So it's, it, you know, and um, one of the reasons we think of it as a brand is because when you look at the um, kind of the impact of sports mm -hmm. on uh, the United States and also, of course, the world, the whole area of sports branding is something that's really quite fascinating. Um, you know, for example, you've got the Super Bowl, which is itself a brand. You have the World Series, which is a brand. And now you have March Madness, which is a brand. And um, March Madness is probably, um, and in fact, by fa it, the facts are, it does actually dwarf the Super Bowl and the World Series in terms of advertising dollars. Really? Um, How is that? 
Well, one of the reasons is uh, it's not just a single event. Um, you know, it, it, it crosses over many weeks, but the numbers um, that I've seen for research are pretty staggering. Um, just as an example, um, for a five-year period from 2000 to 2005, over two and a half um, or over two, $2 billion was spent on network TV advertising during the uh, March Madness games. And um, we think it's going to be this year close to $500 million during, you know, by the time the tournament is over. Right, right. Um, and that's. That compares to under $200 million for the Super Bowl. So while everybody thinks the Super Bowl is kind of the granddaddy of advertising, and it is as a single TV event, mm-hmm. in, in terms of total dollars um, you know, going across many, many events, um, March Madness is just a gigantic, gigantic advertising and, and branding um, opportunity. Okay, now let me ask you, I'm a little naive when it comes to sports. I apologize. But how does this, this actually is larger than the World Series? It, it is. Or like the Stanley um, Cup playoffs? Yeah, March Madness. Um, uh, so let me, let me back up. What it is, is it is a, uh, a college basketball tournament. And um, basically all of the, all of the college teams um, around the country, depending on how good they are, of course, um, will, will uh, compete for a spot uh, in the March Madness tournament. And, um, you know, those playoffs take take place really regionally. All these folks play games regionally. Um, and then what happens is um, the best teams uh, play until they reach something called the Final Four, which is another brand, if you will, because mm-hmm. everybody recognizes Final Four. Absolutely. And then they'll play for a national championship. Now, what makes March Madness such a great brand, um, other than the fact that it's been around for a long time and it has such high awareness over several weeks, mm-hmm. You know, it's connected with kind of the um, the youth of, of college basketball teams. Um, it has a lot of excitement because it is a single elimination tournament. That means that um, basically any team can win by simply eliminating another team in one game. And what that leads to is what has happened this year. Um, this year, for the first time since 1980, there are no, as they call them, seeds, number one seeds in the Final Four. That means that the teams that are in the Final Four mm-hmm. were not ranked number one. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, it's very exciting. And, in fact, the, um, the most incredible thing is a little unknown school um, called George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. Wow. Upset <laughs> um, a number one seed and is now in the Final Four. And, you know, this is kind of a classic... Cinderella story. Absolutely. Um, you know, you've got a team that, that literally nobody ever heard of now uh, rising to national prominence and, and you know, being watched underdog. over several weeks. And what's really interesting from, from a branding perspective, from our perspective, is when you think about it, um, colleges are brands too. And here you have um, what was virtually an invisible brand, George Mason, mm-hmm. becoming nationally prominent and receiving attention um, via publicity and on national TV that it never could have hoped for previously. I mean, you were talking about, you know, really unprecedented attention here. So here's a a brand, uh, and I actually heard um, an interview with the, uh, you know, one of the admissions people at George Mason, and Mm -hmm. he said, um, "We, we we can't 
stop the phone from ringing. You know, everybody's interested in George Mason now, and it's directly attributed to what's going on in this March Madness competition. Which is which is very interesting. I mean, that is interesting to see how like how sports and you can I know I can appreciate where where. Um, colleges do place a lot of emphasis on their sports teams because it does help keep them in front of people and help keep admissions healthy because everyone wants to go to a school who has right. a winning team. Right. Because at the end of the day, we all need to be um, reinforced that we're all winners in life. Right, David? Right. <laughs> that's why That's why Brandy's my friend because she calls me up and tells me how great I am all the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> but that is interesting. The whole idea of the, you know, the single elimination and and keeping it fast paced, like even the even the baseball, you know, it's you know, six or seven games, right? Right. So. But who? Let me ask you a question. So, from a from a no, I, I, it's interesting. So, I can definitely see the byproduct, which is something they probably didn't overly anticipate. Or That's maybe, right, they didn't. Okay, but from a like a consumer based advertising standpoint, what who is the target audience for this? Because when I think of like the Super Bowl, for example, you know, I do think of we had Sam Elliott actually on. Um, on the on the show right after the Super Bowl talking about the various Super Bowl ads usually I'll watch the Super Bowl where I could pretty much care less about football because it's a social thing to do mm-hmm. so not only are you getting you know whatever the demographic is normally for football but you're also getting like a lot of female you know you're getting a lot of people that one particular day a captive audience that wouldn't normally be attending a football game right there so your ad dollars are pretty broad but you're capturing a pretty like a broad audience who who is the target market for let's say March Madness? Well, actually, um, while you're on the Super Bowl topic, let's let's talk about the, that for a second because it'll put this whole thing in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right; that is a a single sports event that, in some respects, has gone beyond the event itself. And a lot of people claim to watch it for the commercials. You know, it's almost a Super Bowl of commercials. Right, right. And um, time. Indeed, um, ninety-one million people actually watched the Super Bowl this year. That was a 6% increase over last year, and it's about 42% of U.S. households. Right? Wow, white God, you know everything, Barry. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you know, you're, you're sitting there um, with 90 million others, and as a family event, a single family event on a Sunday evening, mm-hmm. um, every age, every income, male, female, um, and interestingly enough, um, a, a quite a large percentage of the, of the viewers are female, um, uh, you know, the research that they've done said that just as you said, you know, they're sitting there really as a family event. Mm-hmm. So the the single uh, the single event of the Super Bowl is an unprecedented one-time opportunity to reach 90 million consumers. Well, having said that, this March Madness thing, um, and you know, you're, you're making a good point, it's not the same audience. Number one, um, if you're watching more than one March Madness game, you're probably a a college basketball enthusiast of some kind. Mm -hmm. But there's a very interesting side aspect to March Madness, which isn't talked about a lot, and that is that, yes, the college games are exciting and it's fun to watch, especially the upsets, but what, what also people are watching for is to see if they've won any money. And the reason for that is March Madness is the biggest event for office gambling where people are doing these brackets, as they're called. Oh, how utterly interesting. Yeah, and everybody is, um, you know, everybody in offices all over the country is trying to win um, an office pool to to get these brackets uh, correct. 
And what happened this year, again, um, because of this craziness of, of no number one seed in the final four, is virtually everybody <laughs> has lost. lost. <laughs> and speaking about, let me interrupt you for one second, Barry. Sure. I apologize. But speaking about um, March Madness, let's gather a little bit of our own March Madness, take a very quick break, and we'll be right back with our featured guest, Barry Silverstein. WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education and entertainment. You're brilliant, brilliant. at creating innovative ideas, ideas, building brand value, and increasing customer loyalty. But when it comes to measuring, testing, and optimizing every online interaction, you need help. In the fast-changing new world of marketing, the web is where it's happening. Where it's happening. That's why a powerful online marketing performance management solution is the next major evolution for web trends and for you. Web trends. Web trends marketing lab. You bring the art, we'll deliver the science. Learn more now at webtrends.com. Increase your organization's bottom line with unique, highly effective, permission-based email solutions from Exact Target now. Discover why more than 4,000 organizations worldwide rely on Exact Target's on-demand software for strengthening customer relationships and controlling email throughout their enterprise. Get superior technology and support for bottom line business impact with Exact Target. Visit www.exacttarget.com today. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> I was talking to myself for a minute there. That happens so much in my life, but they say that means you have money in the bank. If you talk to yourself, is that true? <laughs> I'm going to try it, though. I'm going to try it, Brandy. I'll let you know tomorrow. Well, it's nice to stand in the mirror because when you talk to yourself in the mirror, it just doesn't yell back at you. And you can say whatever you want. It's a beautiful thing. So, Basically, you're telling us you had your mute button on and you forgot you had your mute button on. No, no. I, I'm actually going to place blame where blame is uh, speaking about um, coolers. Our, our favorite producer in the office, whom we love dearly, but we do call the cooler. You do not want us to be standing near a, near a casino table with um, the producer, Eddie. Um, stand next to him any other time. The guy's the best luck, but do not stand next to him at a craps table, at a backjack table, or God forbid, a one-armed bandit. He forgot to unmute me. I think he's, are, you, are you trying to quell my, my artistic expression here, Eddie? They're always trying to do that with me. Just clip my wings. Brandy flies too high, hitting the ceiling with my head. They clip my wings. Welcome back, Perry. How are you? <laughs> Fine, thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad. So prior to the break, we were talking about March Madness and this crazy phenomenon that... Um, this this one college, this unheard college, took the number one seat in um, the March Madness uh, playoffs. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that properly. And people in office pools around the world, nobody won. What that's happens right. to that money? Where does that money go? Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. What happens to that money? 
um, some, somebody eventually will win, but it, it won't be on the basis of um, making a right pick, I can tell you that. Wow. Um, so, you know, all of that is going on. In the meantime, um, you know, when we get back to the branding discussion, mm-hmm. you do have um, advertisers who are fully recognizing the power of March Madness, and they start to tie in their, their brands with March Madness one way or the other. And, you know, for example, you've got the, the car dealers out there um, all, all promoting March Madness sales. Um, and you, you'll see some other companies doing the same kinds of things. In fact, there have been a lot of um, web tie-ins as well. You know, mm-hmm. where where companies will um, will do promotions and and try to drive customers to the web to take advantage of those promotions. So, all of this is um, really in in recognition of of uh, sports events like March Madness being big advertising opportunities uh, for for leading brands. What are some of the most creative things you've seen people do? in order to align themselves and reach out to that marketplace? Well, a lot of them, uh, you know, I, I mean, almost everything's been done, so it's, uh, it's, it's, there's no longer room for, for anything incredibly original, but you'll certainly see them, um, advertisers doing, you know, contests. Not surprisingly, uh, some of the things that have made a splash this year, and um, I guess these advertisers had a little bit of, uh, premonition about what was going to happen, but they 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 made offers. Um, you know, because the odds are so incredible, they made offers of you know a million dollars or ten million dollars um, for anybody who could who could guess you know who could get the right the brackets right all the way from the Sweet Sixteen down to the you know to the final winner. And wow. of course, no nobody nobody would anyway because. That, that the chances, you know, the odds are just so astronomical. It's it's worse than winning a, a lottery, for example. But this year, it's even it's even more interesting because, you know, because of what's actually it's occurring. Just so skewed, absolutely. Yeah. But what you know, because this is something that you know, when you look at a, like a stadium, for example, when you go to an arena. I remember when they first started doing sponsorships at arenas. And I thought, wow, this is really cool, Budweiser or Coca-Cola or whomever, and it really stood out to me. And now, unfortunately, when you walk into arena, I feel like you become benign, let's mm-hmm. say, to a lot of the branding that's going on, because every step <laughs> is branded with another company. There's banners all the way around the Coliseum. Well, not, not only is that the case, but of course, the, uh, the stadiums themselves are, are being named. Oh, you absolutely. Know, a lot of them have names. And here's a crazy thing that just happened, and, and I'd, I'd be interested in your opinion on this. Um, as of next week, a soccer team, a professional soccer team in New York called the Metro Stars is going to be rebranded as the New York Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. And guess what that's named after? All right. David, what's your opinion? Well, I, I just worry about, you know, consumers developing blind spots after a while, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, like all the all the all the branding that happens that now I'm on, I'm not in the offline advertising business but but we do participate in the online space right and so on what on the online space I worry you know I don't know how many websites I go to and see ban- banners but I've developed blind spots for those banners mm-hmm. and um no, and I don't know how effective you know the continued branding of teams or the t- you know baseball teams or soccer teams or whatever the case may be is going to continue to be um, we have a stadium here in Seattle, and it actually just took me a couple seconds to remember who's, who sponsored, whose name is on that stadium. Right, it's right? sad. It's safe, safe, it's safe Co Field, but you know, I, I just know it's you know the Mariner Stadium, right? 
I kind of I have the same feeling you do, David. It's funny because I've said that for a long time. I think like in regard to what you were saying with banner ads, um, I think that there's certain places where banner ads are very effective but if you're going to a site for a specific purpose once you're used to navigating around that site you do become i think benign again to those banner ads and well, I, I think those i think those moves they, they they have like a one-time pop you know and and i'm sure red bull or is that a coca-cola product i'm not sure uh it, it's actually an energy bull, drink made gonna, in austria a, yeah they'll experience you know an uptick in their stock and they'll have you know some initial excitement about it but then you know, unless right. I, I just don't know how they're going to carry their brand through. I think but, it's um, sad. Let me ask you a question. You'll get, a, you'll get an initial pop, and then. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, David. I agree. I agree, and I and I personally am a traditionalist. You know, like um, God, I can't even. I'm from Boston, and I can't even think of. Um, you know, is it is it still like the Worcester Stadium or? Oh, the uh, the Centrum. The Centrum, the Worcester Centrum. Is it still yeah. called the Worcester Centrum? I, I think they renamed it, come to think of it, but I'm not sure what it's renamed, so I still think of it as the Centrum. Right, and the Boston Garden, is it still the Boston? I mean, it's, it's no, actually, uh, the Boston Garden is a very interesting branding case. You know, that has gone through a number of name changes, and it was, um, it was called the Fleet Center for a while. Oh, okay. And then That's Fleet, great. of course, was acquired by Bank of America, and they didn't want to participate in it. Well, now it's got the craziest name. It's now called the TD North Garden. What? And, uh, you know, TD North is another bank who, who got the naming rights to it. So, ah. it's, um, But, you know, you're both making a really excellent point, which I think is true in the offline world as well, and that is that um, we, we all kind of gloss over with these things, you know. And um, it actually brings up the point that our... Uh, our business is concerned with and the advertising business in general is concerned with and that is how do you break through to a consumer how do you get mm-hmm. your brand noticed mm-hmm. how do you get um, the kind of attention um, you know so that people don't gloss over you and I'm not saying it's right but Red Bull came up with what appears to be a fairly novel idea of connecting itself with the name of a soccer team, rightly or wrongly. You know, it just brings up, and, and it might even be called desperation, but it just brings up how difficult it is for brands to break through today. No, I, I, I do agree with you, and I don't think that my opinion, I mean, I, I'm definitely a traditionalist, so but I that's I actually a like, name that actually works with a soccer team, though. Right. Yeah, that's a good right. point. Well, I, I don't think you could call them the Bank of Americas, you know? Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, no, that's an excellent point. And Red Bull did. I mean, they're doing a ton of sponsorship right now. They actually just, I think it was the, the Winter Music Conference down in Miami. They had what they called the Red Bull Pavilion. And I think it was either at the Versace Mansion or at the Ritz-Carlton in Florida. And I thought that was an awesome place for them to be because that was a captive audience. And people would remember and they would appreciate and they could be yes. interactive. Yes. You know, um, you know, while the while the event was going on, um, so I guess your brand has to kind of lend itself to that kind of thing. Like, like I could see a soccer team called the Starbucks. You know, or you know, just kind of you know, right. Drink too much coffee, run on the field, have a heart attack. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what is a breakaway brand? I, I know you probably covered this on on the last interview that I was not a participant of. But what would you consider a breakaway brand to be? And, and how? What are how do you get there? How do you get to that point? No, that, that's a valid question. Um, for the most part, w- people think of, of breakaway brands as the ones that 
truly stand out amongst all others, regardless of their category. For example, you mentioned Starbucks. You know, to us, that is a true example of a breakaway brand that no matter who you are, where you go, you've probably heard of it. You have a feeling about it. It may be positive or negative, but you certainly know the brand. So you look at a brand like Starbucks or a brand like Apple um, or, or uh, you know, those, that level of brand or that quality of brand. Um, and in today's world, Google is a, a, a is a very good example. It's now uh, right now. Now take take Apple and Google for example, because that's, that's, those are two good examples. I am passionate about my Apple, and I mm-hmm. use Google. Right, I'm not passionate about Google. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Yes. Google is a search engine. It's a utility, but you know I could just as soon use anything else that's out there. But so you're aware. I think of I think Apple's got a unique unique <coughs> proposition in their brand because they're they've got a passionate user base. Right. Right. Well, try interestingly, to, try to put a, try to we, put a Mac user on a on a Windows machine, and it just they'll fight you to the death. Right, right. Um, but you said something interesting. You're passionate about Apple, and by what you just said, I'm assuming it's because of the the, the Mac computer. Right. Whereas Apple, and you obviously know this, has reinvented itself today as a consumer electronics company through iPod. So a lot of the younger kids who aren't necessarily Macintosh computer users are also passionate about Apple, but with a different thing in mind, mm-hmm. namely the iPod. Absolutely. And this is, this is a, 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 a brand, whether you want to call it Apple or iPod, this is a brand that has been so ingrained in our culture. You know, you, you're using the term podcasting all the time. That came from the iPod. So, um, th- you know, what makes a true breakaway brand is just that, that it's ingrained in our culture, that it becomes an icon, mm-hmm. that, that people um, recognize it and relate to it. You know, and this can go on for year after year after year. So how would one, and we, we did discuss this on, on the last show, but I do think it's so interesting to reinforce this with people. How does someone help to create for themselves a breakaway brand? Well, um, it's always a good topic. And whether you're a large company or a small company, um, what we did find in the book is that a lot of brands do the same kinds of things, um, you know, time and again, and, and they do it very, very well. And interestingly, it isn't just one thing that they do very well. It's many things. So, for example, um, when we talk about um, all the things a breakaway brand has to do, they have to come up with the right name. They have to come up with a name that has a certain appeal and perhaps a timeless appeal. They have to come up with great packaging. They have to do um, advertising that's very fitting to their image, but also extremely effective to the consumer. They have to relate to the consumer. Um, And that advertising, by the way, may not just be traditional. More and more, it's not traditional Mm -hmm. like TV. You know, a lot of it is online. A lot of it is interactive. Um, A lot of it is is promotional. A lot of it is what's known as buzz marketing, you know, where it's events outside or uh, or special special promotions that uh, aren't necessarily what you'd think of as traditional advertising. Um, they have to do all those things well. There typically is a, a person at the top, most often the CEO, who has a vision for the brand and is very consistent about that brand. Um, Dell is a good example. You know, everybody used to say Dell will never make it in the, in the business market. And because of Michael Dell... Um, and because of the the belief that they could build computers to suit, that that company has continued to be one of the most successful computer companies around. You know, and they were building basically a commodity product that that uh, plenty of other people were building, but they did it a different way, and they had a guy at the top who was a visionary, and as a result, that 
that's a breakaway brand today. Good for um, you. Good for you. And it, I think you also mentioned something I'd just like to, to reemphasize. Then, and at the same time, there were a lot of, there were a lot of uh, PC brands that didn't survive, right? Or didn't survive so well. I mean, Very true. We, right. Gateway's still out there, but not as big of a player as it used to be. And they um, don't have the same aura. You know, they don't have that like same... My, Micron, Micron is now an, an electronics company exclusively. I don't even think they make a PC anymore. Right. So a lot of people tried to enter that space, but they were not as successful. Yeah, but I think something that, that, um, that Barry mentioned that was so important is that consistency. Not saying you don't need to change with the times and that you don't need to, you know... Um, create a different identity for yourself depending upon the population of people that you're focusing on but it's that consistency in who you are you know that's right like when i think of gateway i think of i think of the cow and i think of this company that really targeted like um you know either home offices or small companies and it was like a warm place that you could go into they had training on the spot the prices were less expensive and it was like one-stop shopping Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they just started closing stores. They started opening stores all over the place, and then they started closing the stores all over the place. So your perception of them, you, know, you lose you you lose credibility with your audience. Audience, when you start, you know, when you start off like a lion, and then all of a sudden you look like a tiger. That's very true. Um, you know, I, I just saw an interesting story about Starbucks the other day. Um, it was reported in the New York Times, and and the story um, was about the fact that. Uh, a union was actually trying to make trouble for Starbucks, you know, because their their folks are not unionized, and the the union was was not having a great deal of success. And when they asked um, a consultant in the business why they thought that was, they basically said it's because the Starbucks corporate image has such a halo around it, and and they're known um, not only as a great brand but actually a very socially conscious brand, a brand that does good things that it was very hard for the union to convince anybody, including these workers, that Starbucks was doing anything wrong or that it was a bad company. And, you know, that's what can happen. I mean, Starbucks could raise its price a dollar tomorrow, mm-hmm. and a lot of people will grumble, but they'll still go on and buy the coffee because it's Starbucks. Absolutely. Absolutely. But how do you think they got there? Because you've got a lot of other, um, you know, Gloria Jeans. You've got other, let's say, coffee, um, coffee house brands that are out there. Mm-hmm. Like usually right across the street from a Starbucks. Oh, you're right. What you're is right. it that Starbucks Well, we, we talk a bit about Starbucks in the book, not a lot, because quite frankly, um, there, is, there are lots of books written just about Starbucks, so we reference it. But I think one of the uh, things to keep in mind about a Starbucks, um, and you said it before, um, it's, a, it's very consistent in the way it projects its image. Um, Starbucks really has been incredibly... Um, consistent in, in, in not only its operations, but in the way it uh, trains people, the mm-hmm. way it acquires its product. Um, it's been consistent in its, in its community nature. Um, for the longest time, Starbucks never even did advertising. You know, they, their advertising was basically on the street corner just by having their stores. And they've become known as a meeting place. You know, you're never mm-hmm. thrown out of a Starbucks. You can sit there with right. your computer. Right. They, they've that. become known as a company that supports community. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of things within their local community. They've become as a comp- known as a company who supports music. They actually produce original music CDs. You know, these are all things that have kind of become almost a mystique about that company. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons they've been able to do it. And, you know, that's, that's management from the top making those decisions. That doesn't happen by accident. 
No, absolutely not. And it reminds me, I don't know which one came first, but it, that's how I, I, you know, some of the bookstores ended up becoming as popular, like the Barnes and Nobles or the Borders. Because that's right. Now they've put coffee houses inside and they've said, you know what, we'd love for you to buy a book, but you're actually like invited to sit here and use it like a library. And just yeah, there's a, there's a Barnes social. and Noble uh, right here. Um, in the um, in the mall where I happen to work, um, we, we unusually we're in an office building in a mall, and in this mall is a Barnes and Noble, and it uses a Starbucks as its cafe. So you know they're they're they've kind of um, in effect they've they've connected themselves with the Starbucks brand. Right, absolutely, and I think it's a good fit. So now, not to put I'm and then there's a lot of there's a lot of like Pepsi is another example of that, but I mean. Pepsi, you know, went out and got into the fast food business, and now they have shelf space in all these fast food restaurants, right, for their products, mm-hmm. for their Pepsi product. And um, I personally prefer Coke, you know. Mm-hmm. But but um, I can't imagine anybody, much less, you know, that much of the population prefers Pepsi over Coke. But Pepsi's winning the Cola War, and I think it's because of their placement, you know, their strategic placement in all these fast food restaurants. Actually, you're right. PepsiCo owns um, a lot of those types of restaurants and therefore gets its product placed. That's true. Mm-hmm. Right. right, and they own a lot of the concessions. Uh, the by stadiums. the way, a funny side story with Pepsi and Coke. Um, not everybody knows this, but Pepsi actually owns Gatorade and Coke owns Powerade. Right, right. So, uh, and, and the two are warring right now. You may have seen the Powerade commercials that are appearing, which are kind of knocking Gatorade. Um, and the interesting thing is, um, th- this is one of the times when, um, you know, Coke really isn't a market leader because Gatorade is, is definitely the brand, uh, you know, the preferred sports drink brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and Powerade is the up and comer. So it's really kind of an interesting thing to watch. It is interesting because right, it, it's, it's a But I've always brand. admired Coke's branding. I've always admired, you know, because to me, they've, they've just they've been such an icon. And no matter where you go in the world, you know, it's Coke, and it makes you feel... Well, you know what? It's, it's, a, it's, it's almost like a... Family value. It's almost like a comfort food wherever you go. You know, it's just always there. It's consistent, and it's a great brand. I think it's a perfect brand. It's an iconic brand. There's no mm-hmm. question. They've, You know, they've had their share of problems lately, but in terms of um, if you had to identify a handful of top American brands, you you know, Coke would have to be on that list. And you know what? We've got a lot of fabulous brands right here on WebmasterRadio.fm, so we're going to pay a little homage to our advertisers, and we'll be right back with David McGinnis and our featured guest today, Barry Silverstein. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome to the place your competitors get their edge. Jump on it. We're here for you 24-7. Raising your ad inventory profits to the next level today is as simple as xy7.com, the only affiliate network giving you top payouts daily. Plus, you'll enjoy over 100 fresh high-converting offers, your own xy7.com debit card, good anywhere, and true 24-7 dedicated support. Our affiliate managers even sleep with their Blackberries. So why run your ads anywhere else? Let your site work harder for you today with xy7.com so you won't have to. Here you go. Who are these people? 
Your customers. Customers? Yep. See, now that you're sharing all your media files through P2PAds.com, you know, like your MP3s, video files, software, pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And advertising all your sites through our global peer-to-peer network. Get to the point. Well, we're able to bring millions of your fellow surfers, basically, right to your front door. For more details, visit us at P2PAds.com. P2PAds.com. Expose yourself. Finally, an easy way to advertise online. From planning to analysis and everything in between. Take control with TrueAdvertiser.xls. From TrueEffect. Now manage your entire ad serving experience with your Microsoft Excel workbook. Save time. Save money. Reduce training and easily control your data with TrueAdvertiser.xls from TrueEffect. Taking the mystery out of online advertising. Once and for all. Commercials off. Now back to Power Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on Webmaster Radio.fm. Hey, that's a new bag from commercial. That was kind of funky. Welcome back, everyone. This is Brandy Shapiro Babbitt. I'm joined with my awesome new, not my daddy, someone else's daddy, little Benjamin, uh, little Miles Benjamin McGinnis. His daddy, David McGinnis. And of course, um, the extremely knowledgeable um, and, and charismatic Barry Silverstein. Thank you. <laughs> How are you? So we, all right, so we were talking about, all right, so I think, David, when you talk about Coke, I think the part you love about Coke, too, is because you're very family-oriented. Coke has that nice, warm, family-oriented, make-you-feel-good, it's not overly sexy. I don't know. They just did something with their branding. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe back in the, in the maybe late 80s, early 90s, they did the, you know, a whole American thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's a drink. I don't know if you remember that, Barry, or not, but... But it was, and, and and at the same time, Pepsi was doing the, you know, it's all about me kind of thing. So everyone, everyone is my stuff, right? Right, the me generation. They had this whole me and my stuff. And so they mm-hmm. were very, seemed to be a very, you know, promoting a self-centered kind of attitude. And I, I just didn't relate to that, but, but the patriotic messaging that came through on the Coke branding in the, in the late 80s and early 90s really, really stayed with me. Now whenever I travel overseas, I see a Coke and I... You feel like you're home. You feel patriotic. That's awesome. Well, you know, um, it's interesting you mention that. That that is not by accident. Um, The fact is that uh, Coca-Cola has been connected with um, American family and actually with the troops. Um, uh, Many, many years ago, uh, one of their presidents, and we we talk about this in the book, one of their presidents actually arranged to make sure that, um, I believe it was during World War II, that every American serviceman would be able to get a bottle of Coke wherever he was, you know? So um, there really is, there really is some history to what you're saying. Um, Also, uh, and you speak about the 80s and 90s, that was in fact Coke's heyday. you may remember this. A lot of people do. They produced in 1980 for the Super Bowl, probably still the most famous Super Bowl ad ever. Can you guess which one that is? No, how horrible. Is it the Pol- No. It was Polar a Coke Bears. ad. Okay. It was, it was the Mean Joe Green ad, which is a little, the little kid gives, a bo- gives his bottle of Coke <gasps> yes, to Mean Joe Green. that's right. And, and people the- still talk about that today. As being a you know an absolutely classic Perfect. ad for for a brand that everybody everybody knows. You know it's true, and and, and it isn't amazing because that's something like really putting yourself on a limb. Because you would think people, how would people react to that or not? And I know they all have focus groups, but 
that really did have a huge impact with huge huge impact and i would think that that had to have been a big gamble you know yep. go with okay here's here's the guy who's heading up the creative team and it, it was either going to make his career yeah or he was me packed in out on the street and you know david you um you mentioned earlier the uh, the issue of, of um, Pepsi kind of going for the younger generation. That, too, be it right or wrong, was quite intentional. Um, their marketing strategy from the beginning, and actually they've been fairly consistent with it, was to position themselves as the drink for the younger generation, which, you know, um, directly was an attack on, on Coke's uh, history and, and, uh, and heritage. Um, and you know whether it works or not, it was it was very much a uh, a planned strategy. Right, and I and I and I, do, I don't know if they were the first and to to go for the the me and the my stuff, you know. But but they did early on come out with like campaigns revolving around my stuff and 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 tying it to tying to tangible things and things like that. And then everybody started to create my space, you know. My space on the web, and my this and my that, and very, yep. made it very personal. Yes, which has good and negative sides to it, right? right. Which which has uh, you know which has both positive and negative. But I do find the thing that you're saying, Barry, that's so interesting is is finding things that you can do that maybe don't cost a ton of money, mm-hmm. but really cater to the audience that you're trying to capture. And I will say, um, you know, if there's any one thing. And certainly we, we talk about it in the book in a chapter, but if there's any, any one thing that has kind of leveled the playing field, especially for the smaller brands, it has been the Internet. Um, without question, being able to brand and, and market and promote on the Internet, um, not just via, you know, traditional websites, but um, email programs and, and uh, tie-ins and all kinds of things, that really has made a tremendous difference because um, the cost to do that has not, not been anywhere near as great as traditional media. Right. Now, now the, um, and we're talking about the whole buzz marketing or word-of-mouth marketing. Sure. That can be facilitated a lot easier online. And I would still venture to you know, guess that not many companies, in, at least, that I'm aware of have people dedicated to to stoking the fires online to to starting that buzz and the conversation. Um, I, you see companies trying to do that with you know corporate blogs and and uh, we even do a little bit of that here. You know, have we have a PR web blog and and try to stoke conversation online. But um, but the, I think that companies can do a lot more in just getting the fire started online, getting the discussion started, and then. Letting the conversation happen, you know, good, bad, and different. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, not enough of it is done, and, and what is done isn't always done well. You know, you'll find a few select folks who are doing it well. Which is true. And, and it's, you know, something like we try to do here, you know, we, we're the official radio network for a lot of the world's most prestigious conferences. And part of our, our doing that is we give the conferences a platform to reach out to a larger market than they would have normally done. Plus, it allows them to reinforce the marketplace that they already are a part of. And then, in turn, it allows us to reach out to their marketplace, too. Mm-hmm. So, it's a win-win-win for everyone. And at the end of the day, it's all about having a conversation and doing it in a way that, um, like, you know, always knock wood, um, that David mentioned before, not, not getting into someone's blind spot. Well, you know, as you might expect, what, what's now occurred with the Internet is um, the, the big guys have, have finally figured out that it works. You know, Procter & Gamble, with its 
um, hundreds of brands has has embraced it, and so have other big consumer marketers. And that wasn't the case years ago, you know. But now these guys have embraced it. I mean, um, could you imagine um, Tide? Which is a detergent, still the still the leading detergent, by the way. They have forty one percent market share. Um, Tide, which was created in nineteen forty six, now has its own very active website. And if you if you went to Tide dot com, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, these guys have really, you know, they've really taken a basic detergent and and made a pretty exciting website about it. <laughs> right, absolutely. But it's something that everyone comes in contact with. And at the end of the day, if you don't look good, you know, if your clothes aren't clean. Yeah, um, and and if you can find something, because everyone at the end of the day, all people want to do is feel connected. They want to feel a part of something, whether it's their their laundry detergent, their sports team, their whatever. Hey, but this, me, I have a question for you, and this is I, I feel bad because I've got a girlfriend who actually does a lot of the naming rights for the various stadiums across the country, mm-hmm. and I understood it first when people were wanting to um, name stadiums because I thought you know it was a cool new wow thing, and it was absolutely putting you in front of like huge audiences in a specific geographic area but if i'm not getting a discount like in today's day and age with where everything is just you know branded co-branded whatever okay so now i've just spent two hundred dollars to see barbara streisand in concert mm-hmm. at this new td north garden that you're telling me about right, boston right. garden okay how does that enhance the brand to me because i just i just laid down two hundred dollars <laughs> to go into this concert they're not getting me something faster better cheaper by them paying for that is it is it lowering my cost of admission no that's a very good question um and to your point i think eventually consumers and you know maybe there'll be some backlash but i think eventually consumers will ask questions like that and they're valid questions um, the reality is um, you know, that Red Bull story that I told you, um, Red Bull plunked down $100 million, not just to name the team, but to have naming rights to the stadium that, that, that's going to be built. Wow. So um, you look at that and you say, you know, well, if my ticket prices are high, what good did you guys do me? And I, I think there's, I think, you know, you're, you're right. Um, the consumer will not necessarily feel positively towards the brand, nor will they, um, you know, will the brand have done what it really wanted to do, which was make sure that positive awareness was generated for that brand. Right. I mean, this is a horrible thing to say, but I do appreciate, for example, going to like, like the Winston Cup or what what used to be the Winston Cup. I got cigarettes. Yeah. Right. Like I walked away with like however many I could have gotten a carton of cigarettes if I wanted to. Right. Like that's something tangible. Plus, wow, you know, like they're, 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 they're sponsoring a specific series or sponsoring your favorite car driver. Yeah, well, things have changed. Um, I don't think um, I, I don't think advertisers anywhere. are are um, are being quite as generous these days. Mm-hmm. I think they're you know, and 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 that that could come around and bite them. Yeah, I, I just I find it that's the one thing I find very odd, and I think that's so interesting in some of the stories that you tell, especially when you look in the book. Um, and I do encourage everyone to go out and and grab the book, um, the Breakaway Brand: How Great Brands Stand Out, Discover the Secrets Behind Fifty of the World's Most Successful Brands. Because you tell these stories of these awe-inspiring companies in a way that's so easily digestible. And I was looking at this even in ways that I can, you know, apply some of, of, of this information into my own world. Um, and it's yeah, true. Thank you, you for mentioning that. I, um, we actually had a, uh, a psychologist um, make a comment on Amazon.com uh, about the book, which was very similar. He said, I normally don't read business books. I did, I did pick this one and read it, pick this one up and read it. And um, he said, I, you know, I can apply some of this thinking to, to my own life and to my own, uh, my own work. Um, and I think to that point, 
this whole concept of breakaway branding, um, you know, take it away from just the product and think mm-hmm. of it in terms of yourself. The reality is, in America at least, people have to break away to stand out and to be different. You know, what does the word mean? It really just means differentiate yourself. Right, right. And, um, you know, you look at a celebrity, and why is one celebrity popular over another one? Or you look at a politician, you know, or you look at a sports hero. The ones who really break away are the ones who who stand for something and Mm -hmm. have something that really differentiates them, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why you see, and I think the interesting thing, David, we discussed um, on the last show was Vonage, taking something that was really technical. And if you actually tried to explain what Vonage is, you know, voice over IP, um, it would pretty be pretty laborious. But they brought it down to like the common most denominator, marketed, you know, non-traditional marketing on the internet because you needed to be on the internet in, in order to um, participate with their offerings. And like, oh my God, that's so, that story so resonated with me because it mm-hmm. just made sense. And it's hard when you're in your own company sometimes to see the forest through the trees. So to be able to look at, and not that someone's success story is going to really, um, you know, be the path that you should walk down, but it's neat to see where other people have come from. And you, you clearly, clearly illustrate the paths that people took to get there. Yeah, triggering, um, triggering somebody's thought process or just giving somebody a good idea, I mm-hmm. think, is also, you know, always the value of, of a book. And um, obviously, if we, can, if we can, by showing what a great brand or a big brand did um, a little bit differently or a little bit better, if that can help somebody, then I think, I think we did our job. Yeah. I think so Barry, I, I just was, went quiet there for a minute because I actually just ordered your book off Amazon.com. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but tell, tell get me jump-started, if and or get our us- our users our listeners jump started if they if you could identify maybe one or two mm-hmm. or three things that the, simple things that Excellent. they could do to to start creating a breakaway brand well one of the things we talk about in the book which you'll say gee that sounds abstract but i think there's a lot of uh, a lot of value to it is something we call finding your brand truth and what that actually means is you, you, you look, um, and it may take outsiders to help you do this. It may take some you know, research of audiences, for example. But you find your brand truth by um, having a, a kind of a reflection in mind of what you really honestly stand for. At the end of the day, what do you stand for? What's the one thing that you stand for? What makes you special or different or whatever? And you know, if you can't find it, then you have to really either develop it or, or look a lot harder to get to that, that one brand truth. And I think once you find a brand truth that you feel comfortable with, you then everything kind of falls out of that brand truth. So I think number one is really finding it. Number two is making sure when you have a brand truth that you then identify the most appropriate audience for your brand. A lot of people make the mistake of saying, I've got a product that works for anybody. Well, in today's marketing world, we are a very segmented, fragmented, mm-hmm. specialized world. Yep, the niche and um, just as Brandy was talking about Vonage, you know, you have to be on the Internet. What's even more, you have to be using broadband to use that product. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can use that product. You must have broadband. They targeted everything they did to a broadband user and used the media that a broadband user would be, you know, watching or listening to. So... The second most important thing, in my opinion, is really understanding your audience, finding your target audience, and connecting with them. No, so how do you, I mean, all right, so that is abstract, but how, so how does one go about connecting with their audience? 
Well, I think the first thing is, uh, and, and this is this is really quite simple. You can do it on the internet via online surveys. Even um, you really have to get some information from your audience, from your prospective audience. Um, if you don't know them well enough, and maybe you do, you have to understand how they think, what are their likes and dislikes, what are the things they're looking for, and what does your product or service solve for them. And you know what it comes down to is actually kind of a direct marketing approach, which is figure out what the real benefits are of your product or service to this audience and start to talk about the benefits, not the features. Um, the real benefits of Vonage were that it was 25 bucks for unlimited phone calls while all the phone companies were charging you 70 or 80 or 90 bucks mm-hmm. for that same service. You know, mm-hmm. It wasn't that it ran over the Internet. That's important. But the most important benefit was it's going to save you a lot of money, and it's, and it's dependable. So, you know, you really, it sounds very simple, but you have to start looking at the benefits associated with your product, how those benefits relate directly to your audience, and then put the two together, and, and that's when you'll start to have a, you know, potentially winning message. Answer, answer an equally important question for me. Communicating your brand strategy internally with your, with your, your employees. I mean, it seems like an obvious, an obvious step, but it's, let me tell you, we've done some rebranding, and I can tell you it's not the easiest thing to do. No, that's, an, that's actually a great point. Um, you know, what we believe, and it's easier to say it than to do it, is that employees have to be, be brand advocates. And that the, you know, usually comes from the top. It'll come from a chief marketing officer level person or the, or the CEO himself. Those folks have to be uh, enthusiastic about the brand. And what they have to do is they have to communicate down the enthusiasm about the brand. And they have to do it with very consistent messages. Um, and then if necessary, you know, you even reward and incentivize employees for making sure that they're sticking to the brand message. You know, one of the reasons um, some brands are, are so well regarded is because their customer service is good. And where does that come from? That comes from employees. Amen. You know, it comes from the employees being really good at talking about the brand or representing the brand well. So um, you're right. It is hard. It is challenging. Um, it usually does come from the top, and it's done in a very uh, progr- uh, consistent and progressive manner with employees. Yeah, and, it, and, and if they don't get it, chances yeah, are you've got a problem. Um, right. a, a, a very quick story. Uh, we work with Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines, and um, one of the things they had to do when they first introduced a new ad campaign with the tagline, Get Out There, many years ago, which is still used, um, is the, the uh, president tells the story about how that Get Out There tagline had to be institutionalized across everybody, every employee, and that the employees really had to believe it. You know, so they put these employees on, on the ships, and they showed them, you know, what is it about these ships that make it so special and adventurous and fun? Mm-hmm. And that's what you guys have to sell. You know, they, they related it directly to the product. Which is so important. And I will, I mean, I will say, David, I, I am a very firm believer. And this is sometimes what helps you, too, to, you know, we can sometimes get a little lazy and you end up getting, you know, you have a bunch of employees. And sometimes employees aren't always the right fit of being able to separate the wheat from the chaff. Because I remember um, a very dear friend of mine um, created the Ticketless Travel. Okay, so his stuff's now in the Smithsonian, but he was a CIO for a very long, for a good amount of years over at Southwest Airlines. And I used to hear about the culture at Southwest Airlines, and it started with Herb Richman, I believe, and it would trickle, you know, it was exactly what Barry's saying, it would trickle down. And he would make sure everyone who worked at that company absolutely adored it. And he made sure that he, 
he imparted on people how Southwest does things is different than any other airline. It is a fun experience. This is, mm-hmm. you know, we are short hops. We are, you know, we are singing songs. We are making things light and fun. This is not an arduous task. And, you know, uh, I mean, he would do crazy things like show up on, on flights in a clown suit. Um, you know, It's true. And, you know, um, nine out of ten times when you go on a Southwest flight today, mm-hmm. you're probably going to get flight attendants who have a great sense of humor. Right. And and I think, and I'm sure that there's a ton of flight attendants they've had who haven't, let's say, had a great sense of humor. They're gone. Right. You know, because like, That's even, right. we have a staff here. I'm, I'm so very, very fortunate. I've got an amazingly talented creative staff. And all of these guys know, like, our big thing is we are cutting edge media. We have the ability to change media the way that people know it today. And... Every, every person who works here has an opportunity to really guide, you know, our ship in that direction. And if you don't want to become a media mogul and you don't want to change, you know, um, you don't want to help change the way the world perceives communication in this, in this regard, don't work here. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, and, and that's it, is creating a team of people that are playing on the same team and they've got the same end results. Mm-hmm. And I think, David, that's a hard part of, you know, it's process of elimination at times, too. Because not everyone is always a great fit. And that's an unfortunate thing. Like, everyone nope. at your office needs to be pumped. Oh, my God, we are the biggest, the best online visibility company and grasp what that right. means and what right. differentiates yourself from everyone else and now overcome sort of, um, you know, you guys are branded as, you know, a wire service. Well, how do you get past that? So... Right. Yay! Look how at this. Do, now I've got poor, we, poor David's insomnia. What we've done at PR Web is we've created a whole new marketplace in the press release industry that didn't exist before. I mean, what we're doing right now is something completely new. Mm-hmm. And that's actually really fun, and, and it's actually been easy for us to, to differentiate ourselves and create that that PR Web brand because it is, you know, we we do have something that's really unique. Unique. Um. But yeah, you're you're right. You know, when we talk about you know direct to consumer and and web two it's the same product. We're just we're just re messaging or retooling our messaging um, to make it. Basically, we're just updating our messaging. It's stuff we've been doing all along. Um, it's just making it a little bit more consistent, and I would think focused, right. so that everyone's aware of it. This has been a great. I great told you. <laughs> I told you. I said, God, I cannot believe you're not God. You're not my father. I'm sorry, you're David. I told you. I really enjoyed this interview with Barry this past time. And you know what? I think Barry. I've, we've never done this before, but I think we'd like to have you back a third time. Um, uh, well, we'll have to figure that one out. The logistics might be a, a bit difficult, but we'll figure that out. Okay. Well, uh, we're coming. We're all coming. Even David's coming to Boston in a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll just we'll just kidnap you. All right. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure being on again. Um, you guys have been extremely, extremely generous with your time. Yeah, well, you know, you have um, so much knowledge and so much breadth. I mean, you know, we, we, an hour sometimes seems like a long amount of time, but it's really not because there's so many areas that we could cover um, that would truly be a benefit to our listening audience. So for those of you who have not yet done it, run out and grab yourself a copy of How Great Brands Stand Out. Discover the secrets behind 50 of the world's most successful books. Um, the Breakaway brand, you can get it at Amazon. You can get it at your local bookstore. It's awesome. Barry Silverstein, thank you so much for joining us again today. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. And David, okay. my new, my new, not my new daddy. I've got to stop doing that. I've stuck that in my head. 
but yeah, we'll do this again on on uh, next Wednesday. So I know, and okay. hopefully you'll have gotten some sleep. So congratulations again on the birth of your new baby. Well, thank you, and um, we really appreciate you. Perfect. All right. Thank you. All right. We'll see you all next week on Cover Alrighty. Story.